automation in logistics. How are your customers, your suppliers, and you, the professional logistics broker, going to be impacted by the next round, the next level, the next raised bar of technology in today's world of logistics? That's the topic for today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sales Chatter. And I am proud to have Chad Kennedy with me today from DAT. Um, Chad and I are going to be discussing the automation side of logistics. What can we expect in 2024? What are we looking for? How do we, the professional salespeople, need to stay ahead of the tech curve? Because there's a huge tech curve coming. I mean, we've seen a lot of it this year, but I think it's just the beginning. So, Chad, welcome, my friend. Thank you very much for coming back on the show. I know we, a couple of weeks ago we were on uh, uh, live doing a, a data day with uh, Dean and our good friend Jeff. Um, and you said some things during that data day that really blew me away. And, it, and it's truly a real interest of mine and I've got a deep desire to learn. So I'm so excited to have you here and I'm so excited to learn from you, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me back, Dan. I appreciate it. It's good to be oh, here. My pleasure. So let's dive right into it. Um, automation, you know, you're really big on the shipper side of things. You're, you're really big in, in working with shippers and DAT and some of the systems and tools you guys have to help shippers increase their visibility in the market. What are you seeing from some of the tech side, the automation side? Of course, every conversation today is AI. <laughs> um, what are you seeing in some of these areas that even smaller shippers are starting to adopt? Yeah, so um, I guess let me just, you're, you're right. I, I do have that shipper perspective. So a little bit about my background. So I, at DAT, I'm, I'm on the IQ side of the business, which is like the analytics side of the business. So um, my work isn't centralized into on the load board side of the business that probably most of your audience is probably more familiar with. Um, so if you're there familiar with rate view and the, the rate analytics that we provide, uh, that's kind of where I, I've been working. And I've been working mostly on the shipper side of that. So helping shippers understand their cost structure. And, you know, our uh, philosophy at DAT is transparency for all participants in the marketplace will bring efficiency, overall efficiency to the marketplace. So we're, we're trying to help drive that. Um, and so uh, in prior to DAT, I was 10 years with uh, a, at a shipper. Um, and prior to that, five years at a carrier, I, I married into a, a carrier family. Uh, third generation. So I uh, got, got to cut my teeth, you know, dispatching drivers and that sort of thing. thing. So so that's kind of where I'm coming from, my perspective, um, uh, from that shipper perspective, as, as you mentioned. Um, so from an automation uh, viewpoint, what our customers are talking the most about is um, the API connections with brokers, um, index pricing with brokers. And I can unpack these things, talk a little bit more about what they what they mean. Um, so when I, and I talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, but I think it's probably worth covering again. So mm -hmm. from a shipper's perspective, our typical shipper uh, might have $100 million of annual spend and their carrier network maybe looks something like this. It's, it's 100 direct contract agreements with asset-based carriers. And those, you know, they've probably got your large five in that, um, in, in that. And then they've got that long tail of, of regional and small carriers. And some of them have these 
very small carrier agreements in place uh, as well. And then they usually have a handful of brokers um, in, in that network too, to kind of tap into that uh, larger capacity in, in the network. Um, and th it ranges all over the place, right? There's those shippers that say brokers are bad. I, I, I won't allow brokers into my network. Um, and, and then there's some that have all brokers, right? Yep. Um, yep. And they don't have any asset-based contracts. So, so there's a range, but that's kind of the average of what we see. Um, and then when they procure their freight, um, in general, it's kind of on a spectrum. So you think about the most consistent, reliable um, service priority freight, um, the larger shippers will have their private fleet on that, right? Special requirements, maybe roll up doors, uh, driver has to get out, unload the freight, things like that. Um, so, so that's, you know, a high degree of reliability and consistency, density. Uh, they'll have their private fleet uh, deployed on that. And then next on the spectrum would be dedicated fleet. So it's just outsourcing that private fleet. Um, and then you have one-way contracts. Uh, so this is um, where they will hold an RFP, often an annual RFP, but also many, many bids. Yeah, we're seeing a lot more people position revert back yeah. to mini bids as opposed to that's animal. right. Yeah, we saw a lot of that through the pandemic tightening cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of mini bids. It's shippers getting forced into those annual RFPs just didn't hold up uh, because yeah. the alternatives in the marketplace of spot premiums kind of pulled some of the capacity out of their large annual RFPs and a lot of lane changes. Right, they had to shift their networks because of the, what was going on with restaurants and grocery stores and all that. So, yeah, um, yeah that one-way contract, that's, you know, they'll bid that out to that network of 100 carriers and brokers. Um, and then, and that's usually pretty consistent. Shippers are getting better and smarter um, about using technology and, and business intelligence uh, to analyze which lanes really belong in those big RFPs, uh, right? So, uh, for the most part, what we see is kind of gone are the days of including a lane that's only going to run one to three weeks in that big RFP. Yeah, that's just yeah. noise. Um, nobody's really, you know, guaranteeing or committing to, I should say, um, consistent capacity on something like that. So so analytics is is helping in that space quite a bit, I think. And um, and then the next uh, stage on the spectrum is this what's becoming a broad category of spot. And it's kind of manifesting itself in different flavors. Uh, you've got what we see now as index pricing spot. So this is where the shipper will use an index like a DAT rate um, agreement with a broker. Um, and so, so what that looks like is uh, they'll sit down at the table with a broker and say, hey, we've got some freight that's gonna be inconsistent, that's gonna be moving sometime in the next three months for about one to three weeks. Um, but we would like to go ahead and get capacity secured with you, broker, um, and agree now on a rate that's going to be dynamic in the future based on this index. This really helps a lot with the manual processing for the shipper. So this kind of gets into, you know, automation for shippers um, and kind of where the technology is, is going these days is increasing automation um, and, and reducing that friction of getting a truck on a load and, and moving it and everything that has to happen in between the quoting and all of that. So that index pr based pricing is, a, is alleviating that. So they, so they get that deal in place. They put that shipper now in the routing guide. I'm sorry, that, that broker in the routing guide. And they know that index pricing is a, is a sure thing. 
Um, and then they can pull that in after the fact and, and pay based on that. So that's the index pricing portion of spot that we see. Uh, the other portion of it is API connections. So uh, this is where, um, you know, a normal shipper routing guide in the transportation management software or TMS is going to be lowest cost rank order. So they'll tender lowest cost carrier first. If they don't accept it, then they go down to the second and then the third. Now, when you say automation, I apologize for interrupting. When you say automation, are you talking more EDI or is there a different level of automation that's happening? Yeah, so EDI is almost always involved in these tendering uh, yep. in the routing guide, mm -hmm. uh, and that does create a level of automation for the shipper um, and, and the broker and carrier. Um, the automation that I was referring to in the index pricing and in the API is uh, it kind of goes into avoiding that last category of spot where the shipper is actually managing their private network load board. So for example, like Blue Jay or Manhattan, these TMS systems have uh, a load board, uh, spot market load board that they can put a load into and all of their 100 carriers in this average example I gave are active in that and bidding on that. Um, As opposed to putting on on like a load link or a dat load board where everybody that has a membership has access to it. Yes, exactly. It. So yeah. it, it may trickle down to that, but the shipper doesn't see that. Got uh, it. So the shipper is going to put their load out onto their private network load board like Blue Jay or Manhattan. And then uh, a broker is going to bid on that, win it, and then they're going to turn around and secure capacity on it with either a carrier in their network that they already know and trust, um, or they may go out to the DAT load board and, and get capacity that way. Mm -hmm. as well. mm -hmm. um, so, so that's what they're trying to avoid because that process for the shippers, very manual labor intensive, it takes up a lot of time. Um, you've got humans making decisions. Um, and so they, they're trying to avoid that with this index pricing and the API connections. The API connection is a little different than the index pricing. So um, they'll send out a, a blast to four API connected brokers um, and, and they'll immediately get back a quote uh, that has not been predetermined like in the index price example. So yes. those quotes will come back and then their TMS automatically makes the decision to give the award. They've already pre-vetted these brokers from a service perspective. Yes. So it's just a matter of taking that price point. Um, and some of them, you know, it's not always lowest price. It may be like if it's too low, they may avoid that one because it's too good to be true kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Now, so, is this is this yeah. a a for a broker watching and listening right now that might say, well, man, my, my company doesn't have any like I don't know of any of these tools. Um, where would they go to start? researching or where would they go to start understanding these tools? Like, like the way I see it is this is, you know, especially the smaller brokers, like the major brokers, they're going to be tech stacked because of their IT team, right? Yes. Um, yes. Some of these smaller brokers, you know, three, four, five salespeople, maybe two, three, four dispatchers, the owner's still working in the company instead of on, you know, all these, these, which is the majority of the market is these smaller companies. Yes. Um, what kind of tools would you suggest they go and start looking at? Um, because they're going to start missing a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Like if a broker is fully automated and you are, sorry, if a, if a prospect is fully automated, customers fully automated, and you as a broker are not, 
you're yes. kind of left out because why would they reverse and put more time on their plate when they can do things automatically, right? It's kind of like yes. it's kind of like the Zapier world, right? There's right. certain things that I used to do that now are just manually done. So as I'm speaking to you here, things are happening in the background. And I thank the Lord that they came out with a thing like Zapier, right? Because now we don't have to do it manually. So yeah. you you have that portion as well for a broker that says, like, I've got none of these tools, Chad. Like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I look for them? What do I Google? Right. Yeah. Um, so I know there's a, there's some middleware solutions out there that they can connect with. Um, I think Bitfreighter might, might be like an example of that. So if they, if they would Google that and then find some competitors of that type of solution. So they've already got these APIs built. Um, and it, you know, if, if your brokers are anything like me, they can barely spell API. Um, and so, so they've already figured out all the science behind that and got those connections in place. Um, and so they can connect up to that. Um, and, and you're right. That's, that's where you want to be to be competitive because if you're missing out on that, those, um, automated solutions for the shipper, uh, and then you're left in that shipper's load board to get spot freight, um, you're kind of getting the leftovers there, right? Yeah. Now, this isn't pervasive throughout all of our shipper network. I would say right now, um, talking to our shippers, it's probably about 25 to 30% of the volume out there that we see is going this path of either an index-based pricing or an API connection. So there's still a large coming amount. Coming the end of 2024, do you see that number I definitely higher? see this. Yeah, I see this increasing. They're seeing big benefits of it. It's starting to get socialized more and more. I think some of the TMS systems are, are starting to develop some technologies to, to solution this for the shippers as well. So I do see it going the, more this direction because from the shippers perspective, you know, their normal rank priority is going to be you know, safety first, obviously, service, cost. Some. Uh, some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and ease of business uh, yes. is, is up there, right? So So this satisfies that ease of business thing. So you know, uh, a large shipper um, setup, you know, in the environment that I came from for, for about 10 years, um, you know, we had a logistics team, of about 50 logistics coordinators that are uh, performing the tender track and trace and the transportation management software. Uh, so they're executing on those RFPs. They're following up with the carriers that, you know, in that example, that hundred uh, that they're directly contracted with. Um, and you know, 80% of the work gets caused by 20% of the loads and those are the spot loads. Um, and so as much as you can automate that and, and create ease of doing business there and gain some efficiencies in pricing as well, uh, the better. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, it makes yeah. sense because, you know, you're gaining efficiencies, you're gaining back time, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and not to, to, you know, get into the whole people losing their jobs thing. But if, if you have 50 load printers and you can reduce that to 30. Yeah. Um, right. Obviously huge savings in the loan load planning section. And not only that, I've always believed that, you know, the people are already there. They have skills, put them to use in skills where they're going to be a massive benefit to the corporation. Yeah. Right. And, and really identify that location where some of these, instead of just firing them, like identify that location where they're going to be, oh, you know what, this fit. I mean, you can scale huge. You can help us understand. Maybe one of them is a really good, has really great ideas for marketing or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
And not to mention, we're seeing more and more, and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on it as well, in speaking with traffic managers and, and logistics and shippers and manufacturers, um, their time's becoming more and more valuable. I think everybody's time is. I think COVID really taught us about time and how value how valuable it is and how important it is and you know what we do and what we spend our time on is really important and i know personally and i can imagine most probably every shipper if they had a way to automate a lot of the stuff they would because then it can allow them to focus on the people you know their team getting more efficient at loading trucks, getting more efficient at picking, like like all these different areas where efficiency is lost, right? Um, right? And if you can just pull one thing out because of tech these days and because of automation or the, if I do this, you know, it does this. And all, I mean, they have so many different tools. Um, I was even recently last night looking for tools to automate two different flows in my business that right now are manual. And right now it's only about three minutes a day. But I looked at it and I said, well, every 10 days, that's 30 minutes. Right. That's 90 minutes a month. That's right. like almost a week's worth of work at the end of the year that I can automate and just put to something else. Yeah. You know, and there's it, the interruption factor, right? It interrupts oh. something that you're doing. So, so it, that's, yeah. it has a multiplying effect. Yeah, actually, you know what? I never even thought of that, but you're right. Because when you get interrupted, it takes that five, seven minutes to kind of right. get back in the groove. You so now you add that yeah. five times a day, <laughs> you know what I mean? And now yeah. you start really adding up the time. Yeah, yeah. So anything that uh, a service provider can do to help alleviate that reactionary exception type task from the shipper is a benefit to the service provider because they'll get more business because they're more attractive to do business with. And you're exactly right about the talent. It's it's upgrading the tasks that the people are doing, not just eliminating like the that. people, right? So it's becoming more proactive instead of reactive, planning instead of responding, uh, working with your service providers and having those conversations that we all wanna be having about, hey, how can we strategically prepare for next quarter? Uh, what kind of freight do you see? What do you see in the trend on this lane? I saw it spiked last year about this time. Do I need to get more capacity for you for it next year? Um, so yeah, that that's definitely true is, is redeploying those employees to do smarter things. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know what I think for everybody watching and listening, um, do your work and in the show notes, um, we will put some of these tools that Chad was talking about in um, some of that research, some of those automation and API tools. Cause I think it's, even if you're a salesperson watching this and you have a manager and you, you know, because I'm sure every one of you that is in a smaller company have been confronted with the tech side. I, I, I could tell you a decade ago, I was at a small company and tech hindered me getting a really good client. And that tech was EDI because the company I was at just couldn't afford to, or didn't think they could afford to invest, didn't think the ROI was there with the EDI. And then I remember going to a large corporation that had EDI where I was, I was, I was training the uh, incoming sales teams. And I'll tell you so much easier. I mean, it populated load sheets for us, origin, destination, customs broker, like all the, all the product, all the codes, all everything. Literally, we just had to assign it to our supplier and go. And like, you think about that, right? So you think about building a load sheet, even if you got a system that duplicates them, right? There's still information you got to change a duplicate. I, I, when I was lazy, I would duplicate, but I hated duplicating because I just, 
always found there was one part I missed and it takes just one second to not give one little piece of information to somebody to cause an issue in our world. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that was all done now because all of the, the what, everything that happened, everything that needed was like auto populated and right. just that 10 times a day just makes your day go so much easier. It's like bang, bang, three letters, enter carrier rate, send, and the system yeah. sent it. Right. And yeah. so for me, that was like a big aha moment when I first got to use EDI. And that yes. really started for me anyways, the automate, delegate, delete method. And yeah. I, I think a lot of people are going to start focusing on this method because how do you get back time? You automate tasks that are repetitive, that take up time, but have the same outcome. That's the way yeah. I look at it. I mean, how do you look at autom Do you look at automation in kind of that same way, the automate, delegate, delete, like, or do you look at automation mm -hmm. differently? Because you're coming from like a major data house, right? So even right. automate information and data collection and all that, yes. it's gotta be a big chore. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. I think um, another component of that is making sure you're automating the first things first, right? Like the mm -hmm. things that are the most important that have the most impact. So we call it the Pareto rule. It's really kind of like the 80-20 rule. Uh, try to find those 20% of things that cause 80% of the work um, and try to automate those first. Um, and then it's a, it's a gradual process, right? You, you come up with a manual process that, that's right and you make sure that's uh, buttoned up and tightened up and effective. And then you work towards automating that. Um, and there's a lot of solutions and technology in the marketplace right now for, for brokers. I mean, if you have a good TMS system and I'll put a plug in DAT has, we have our own TMS system. Um, it can do a lot of this stuff for you. Um, and it, it, you know, the TMS systems are getting smarter and, and starting to solve some of these problems. Then there's these other uh, systems out there that can kind of bolt on and connect up uh, like, Bitfreighter that I mentioned before, 3PL systems. I saw a demo of them this, just this week. Um, they have the automated EDI connections. So they've, they've gone out and made all the connections with all the shippers, and then you just push some buttons. So it's just a, a GUI user interface where you go in and push some buttons. It's no code, low code. You don't have to be a, 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 an engineer to figure this stuff out anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that. that's going to be critical for some of these yeah. smaller companies, right? Is that no code, you know, copy a string of code, maybe an API key from somewhere and paste yeah. it in. And then right. you don't have to mess with schema files and Python and JSON and all yeah. that other stuff that sounds very, yeah. very foreign to everyone. And and to be honest, you can fry your brain in about three seconds, yes. right? Yeah. Like, like when I was learning Python and JSON, I tell you, it was like, I remember some nights what the heck did I just do today? Like, you know, my yeah, brain was yeah. just fried, but awesome. Yeah. Any closing remarks, Chad, anything that you, um, if you can share with us kind of what you see as the number one thing, um, some of these smaller brokers out there should, should really be focusing. And I have a feeling it's going to be the tech side and automation, but may as well just call it out anyways. Yeah, I think that's it. I think, you know, as always, it's service. I mean, these brokers are serving the shippers um, in a very important way of connecting them to a large amount of capacity that they're not able to connect to. I think tech advancements in 2024 are going to be some of the biggest determining factors on getting awarded business. I truly do. I, I think we are in for a, you know, logistics has kind of always been this dinosaur industry, right? And 
Um, and what I mean by that is no disrespect. It's the only industry I've ever been in. It's the only industry I've ever loved. It's the only industry I've really ever known in my life. I started when I was 17 in this industry. And, but I can tell you, like, it, it, it just seems to be behind the times of what we're seeing in other industries, right? Um, and I think this year is the year where we are, the, as an industry, we're going to catapult in the techno, to the, into the technological revolution. I really do. I, I just see so many things happening with systems and, and tools and strategies and processes where there's a lot smarter things out there than we are. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think by utilizing these, these tools, um, we can be better, do more and achieve more for our customers. And that's the ultimate goal, right? Helping the customer achieve their goals. It's why that's around, right? Helping the customer make better decisions based on data, for example. 